here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. All of the promises that God gives us are found in the person of Jesus. So as we connect with Jesus, as we have a relationship with Christ, as we live in communion with Jesus, there are blessings that follow our life, and we will be a blessing. That's why... Even when you're weak, you can be strong if it's helping you to depend on Christ. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Where does your strength come from? On good days and on bad days, where do you turn when you feel you cannot take another step? Pastor Ed has a recommendation. Turn to Jesus. Today's message encourages us to do just that. Jesus told us that He is like a vine, and if we remain attached to Him and cling to Him, Especially in our misery, we will receive the strength we are searching for. And what's more, when we are filled with the love and strength of Jesus, we will be able to spread it to others. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Stay in the Vine. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. These are the words of our Lord Jesus. Words that were spoken during the last days of his life. Words that were to shape how the apostles saw their life and how they lived their lives. John chapter 15 is one of the great I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. He makes seven I am statements and in this one he talks about being the vine. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How do you want to end your life? When someone looks at the dash... On your gravestone, the dash between the day of your birth and the day of your death, do you want them to see it as a minus sign or a plus? That you added something to the world that you lived in, that you had a positive impact on those around you. Well, Jesus in this text is teaching us that The Christian life is to be a productive, a fruitful life, a life that makes a difference. Jesus took the symbol for Israel that was imprinted on their coinage, on the temple. That was the symbol of a a vine. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Hosea, The prophet says, Israel was once a lush vine, bountiful in grapes. The more lavish the harvest, the more promiscuous the worship. 
The more money they got, the more they squandered it on the gods in their own image. What Hosea the prophet was saying was that Israel-like vineyard was taken care of by God and God did not receive what he expected from them. Jesus came along and said, Israel is the symbolized by a vine, but I want you to know that I am the vine now. It's not your connection with Israel, but it's your connection with Jesus in a very real way. It's not our connection with some particular local church. We have to be connected to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I, I am the vine. How's your connection? How's your relationship? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, if I had better connections. Well, if I had a better education. Well, if I had more resources. Well, if there were better opportunities or if I were gifted like some others are gifted. No, no, no. It's none of those Your fruitfulness, your productivity depends upon your relationship with God. And in this portion of scripture, I want to draw your attention to two simple thoughts. Two simple thoughts. You are chosen to be fruitful is the first one. You are chosen to be fruitful. Chapter 15, verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. God called you. God chose you. God appointed you to bear fruit. That your life would mean something. It would really have an impact. When God called you, he had a plan, a purpose, a reason for your life. And that plan, that purpose, that reason can be accomplished if you follow what Jesus said. First of all, he said, you have to remain in me. That's what the biblical text says in verse 4. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain on me. We are completely dependent upon Christ. When the nation of Israel wandered from God, they experienced the judgment of God. When they wandered from God, instead of being blessed, they were cursed. When they left the God who had called them, they encountered one struggle after another, after another, after another. Failure marked their journey. But when you connect to God, success marks the journey. Jesus was saying that if you connected to him, he was the vine. And his life would flow through you, that your life would be a fruitful life. So he said, remain in me. Everything that we need is in Jesus. Everything you need is in Christ. Don't run here. Don't run there. Don't run to the other place. Stop. 
and connect with the Lord. In Ephesians, Paul the Apostle uses again and again the term in Christ. In Ephesians 3.6, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ. All of the promises that God gives us are found in the person of Jesus. So as we connect with Jesus, as we have a relationship with Christ, as we live in communion with Jesus, there are blessings that follow our life, and we will be a blessing. That's why even when you're weak, you can be strong if it's helping you to depend on Christ. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because we tend to lean upon our giftedness. We tend to lean upon our experiences. We tend to lean upon our own resources. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for a fall. But when you lean on Jesus, you will experience fruitfulness, productivity. Every single one of us is we could move from intimacy with God to ritual. From a relationship to merely religious exercise. And so all we hear is the music of the worship team or the soloist, or all we hear is the preacher's voice. We don't hear God's voice behind, or we don't see the God behind everything. It's this connecting with God. We have to be very careful that we don't move into formality and into religion. If we do, we can no longer sing, Jesus, I'm depending on you. Because truly, we're depending upon ourselves. So he said, remain in me. We can walk away from Jesus. We could move a distance from Christ. We could follow him afar off. And if we do, like Peter, we'll stumble. But when we abide in him, there's a dramatic change. So he said, remain in me. He not only said to remain in him, remain in me, he said to allow his words to remain in us, remain in his word. In John fifteen seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, God's word has to lodge in our minds and has to impact our affections and emotions. It has to find residence inside of us. Some of us, if we were to take our Bible off the shelf and dust it off, we would create a dust storm. (laughs) I mean, let the Bible be a part of your life when you get up and when you go to sleep. Uh, And the Bible is not an end in itself. It's not that you need to learn all the outlines of the books of the Bible. It's a good thing to do that. But the Bible is a means to an end, to know and love God. That's why Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Whosoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So God's word, God's teaching, that's what we want to align our lives to. Our desire is to obey the book, obey the word. Someone had said, to master the Bible 
The Bible must master you. I love that. To master the Bible, the Bible has to master your life. Are my ways ordered by God? Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it this way. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. God, through his word, gets a hold of our hearts, gets a hold of our lives. So take it off the shelf. Even if you create a dust storm, start reading. Start sinking your teeth into the meat of God's word. God's word says, Jesus said, remain in me. Let my words remain in you. And then he goes on to say, remain in my love. It's not easy to remain in Jesus. We could slip into ritual. It's not easy to remain in his word because we could become distracted by all forms of entertainment that sometimes capture us more than the book. We have to discipline ourselves. And it's not easy to remain in his love. In John 15, 9 to 10, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now the disciples were no perfect crowd of people. I mean, they were flawed. They have feet of clay. And guess what? Their tribe has increased. Here they are. We are people with feet of clay. We offend other people because we're sinners. And we are offended by other people because they are sinners. Offense is a part of the Christian journey. And what happens sometimes is when a believer lets you down, it can diminish your love for the body of Christ and for God. And Jesus said, remain in my love. Well, what is his love like? Well, how does God love you? Unconditionally. He loves you when you falter, when you fail. He loves you when you succeed and triumph. He loves you at all times and all ways. His love is consistent. What sometimes happens is we have unrealistic expectations. Uh, people expect that if they lay down their life for someone else, that, that someone else's life is going to be raised up. Or if they empty themselves out, that that person's cup is going to be fulfilled. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. You love... And that person simply doesn't respond. And they don't even know it. They don't even have a clue. But Jesus died and for those who would never receive him. Who would never say thank you. Who would never turn to him. God expects us to love the way he loves with an unconditional love. That doesn't mean you stay in an unhealthy relationship, but it does mean that you go the second and the third and the fourth mile. Jesus said, 
If you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then he goes on to say, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How has God loved you? Just this past week, this past month. How is that seen in your relationship with those who try your patience? So, we're going to be called to be fruitful. God's purpose for your life, God's plan for your life, God's destiny for you is that you would be productive, that you would be fruitful, that your life would leave its mark on eternity, that the fruit of your life would last beyond time into eternity, forever. How do you do that? Remain in Jesus. Don't let anything, anything move you from standing on that solid rock. Let his words remain in you. And then you stand firm in that love, that love that God demonstrated to you. Don't let that love get cold, but love like he loved. Now, what's the second thing that happens for us to be fruitful? Well, we have to be pruned. I don't like that. You don't like that, I'm sure, either. We have to be pruned. In John 15, 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God takes that sharp knife and cuts those dead areas that would sap our spiritual life out. And that hurts sometimes. Oh, God! Not this. Oh God, that hurts. But what God is doing is he's making you fruitful. There are certain seasons, times, that you need the prune vines. And if you don't, they won't grow properly. And there are seasons in your life where God's cutting away and you feel like you're cut down to nothing. And what God is doing is preparing you for something, for some of your greatest fruitfulness. Hallelujah. Amen. And so allow the Lord to prune you, even when it hurts. Now, how does he often do this? He often does it through his word, through his word. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. God's word in us. Jesus, in the high priestly prayer, prayed, sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. Oh, we want to live in the system of lies. We lie to ourselves. We lie to others. We lie to God. And we live in an unreal world that's made up of lies. But if we would allow God to break through and listen to his truth, it would change us. Now, I don't know how many men are like myself here. But when you have a few days off, you know, over like these uh, past couple of days, and you don't have to go to work, you're just at the house, I like to sometimes not shave. And, and I'm not growing a beard, but it, my, my uh, beard does grow fast. And so I like to sometimes not shave. And so for a couple of days, I didn't shave, wasn't thinking, and I went out of the house, and I went to the grocery store to pick up something, and I realized I didn't shave. 
And when I got back home, I said, man, did I look grubby. And now our wives remind us of that, don't they, ladies? Right, right. Well, if you have the scriptures and you fail to look in the word and then say, oh, I need to change this. Here's an attitude creeping in. Uh, here's some actions that have to change. Hmm. That's what James says in chapter 1. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For you listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. We have to allow God to speak to us out of the book. When you read the book, you could feel at times that sharp two-edged sword piercing your soul, piercing your spirit, saying, son, daughter, you need to change here. I think of what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So oftentimes, we readily and appropriately correct our children. But when our children grow up, and become adults, they don't often have too many people correcting them, or at least don't want to hear it. And we're those grown-up children. And very often, God's wanting to shape and mold and transform our lives. And he does it through the conviction of the Spirit. When's the last time you felt the smarting of the power of the Holy Spirit driving you to your knees and you lifted up your hands and said, Oh God, show me your mercy and grace. Someone has said, Other books were given for our information. The Bible was given for our transformation. The Bible was meant to transform us. There was a Russian Orthodox priest who was teaching a class of young people about the Bible, about God, learning the books of the Bible. And he challenged his class to memorize a book of the Bible, the Gospel of Mark. And he promised them a prize. And one young man did. He memorized the whole Gospel of Mark. His name was Khrushchev. Nikita Khrushchev. He memorized it, but it never got from here to here. The Bible is meant to change our lives. It's not the accumulation of information. It's the transformation of our lives. In Matthew 13, 22, it says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. God has destined, planned you to be fruitful, to be productive, for your fruit to last from time into eternity. And you have to let God prune you through the word. He, God does it through his word. He does it through the inner working of the Spirit in our lives. In verse 2 again, it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.